What's up, Halo fam? Halo Joe here. Just wanted to thank each and every one of you for checking out this new episode. Make sure to keep it tuned here to Halos in the Infields Baseball Network all season long as we drop content every day. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Also, make sure to crack the like button and leave a comment. Make sure you also smash that bell icon to be notified every time we drop an episode or go live. Also, check us out on our other platforms, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter. We can also be found on Apple Pod, Podbeam, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Don't forget to leave that five-star review. Thank you again, Halo fam, and with that, let's get this show on the road. Make sure you check out our sponsor over at 714 Tickets. They take pride in providing their customers with transparent pricing and excellent service. With 714 Tickets, you don't have to worry about hidden fees or surprises at checkout. The price you see is the price you pay. Plus, our team is dedicated to ensuring that you have the best shopping experience possible. And as a special thank you, we're offering a 10% discount on your purchase as well as entering you in a drawing for a free Halo's jersey. Also, 5% cash back on your purchase. Only when you use the promotional code HITI at checkout. That's H-I-T-I, HITI. Get ready to shop with confidence and discover great deals today over at 714 Tickets. Welcome into another episode of Halos in the Infield. I'm your host, Todd Fox. We got a special show for you today as we're going to break down part one of the first half of the season. Part two will be coming on Sunday. And before we get into that real quick, 714 tickets. If you haven't heard, you don't know. H-I-T-I in the promo code as you exit and make that set purchase. The price you see is the price you get. 10% 10% off, though, <clears throat> with the Halos in the infield code will get you um, multiple m- dollars off of any of your purchases, whether it's one ticket or up to as many as you want. And if you're paying in this economy for a family deal, it really pays off. So don't forget to put the uh, the Heaty H-I-T-I, in the uh, apply now code before you check out 714 tickets. And then also Noble L Works, which is right across the street from Anaheim Stadium. If you are going to an Angel game, you can park there for free. You can mention H-I-T-I or just Halos in the infield. Get a dollar off pints if you're going to watch the game there. It's two for nine specials if you mention Halos in the infield. And after the seventh inning, it's buy one, get your friend one for free. So there you go. They have many good beers and seltzers on tap. So with that, all the business out of the way, let's get started, shall we? Right, Fernando? And introduce the rest of the panel. Yeah, I'll say this, Todd. Thank you for opening up the show. Uh, second of all, you fumbled most of those sponsors like a third string running back well, trying to break get, the practice squad. I get paid like one, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, well, this is Fernando, the Lone Star Halo, joined here by James, pregame James. James, how you doing? I'm good. I am here for the memories. <laughs> There you go. Thanks for the memories. Thanks for the memories. We've got the other member of the flagship show, Courtney. Courtney, this is the first time that you, Todd, and I have been on since you officially graduated. I know. I miss Todd, but, you know, he has to have a family and work and stuff, so it's Yeah, what a dirtbag. Jesus, Todd. Um, I know. But hi, you pieces of trash. It is Courtney. Always nice to be on the panel and the trio. Um, as well as others is here, so we love to see it. Speaking of love to see it, we have Rob joining us. Rob, it's been a, it's been a minute, my friend. How you doing? Good, good. I'm glad someone's happy to see Todd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. that's that, that's fair. That's fair. I think a lot of people are happy to see Todd. Oh, everyone is. <laughs> Not yeah, my right. exes. <laughs> yes, uh, and maybe on a bad day, your fiance as well. Maybe you know she's like, "Oh, Todd's pissing me off today." That's just the title to that. True. <laughs> so uh, we're here today to talk a little bit about the first half of the first half of the season. We're going to be doing a two-parter uh, later on with Dominic Lorenz of Catella Chronicles. But first, let's talk about the part uh, of the season where things were going well. We had a lot of hope. The team was firing in all cylinders uh, throughout stretches of this. And let's take it back to opening day. 
Now, looking at the roster back then, we had a lot of hopes, right? We had Logan Ohapi, who we had high hopes for, came out of the gate super, super, super hot, right? You had the Angels win the first, what was it, like the first couple series in a row? Uh, no, no. We won the first two series, and then we came home and lost the first home series to Toronto. What do you guys remember about the way you guys felt like opening? Did like, okay, I'm sure we don't remember everything because it feels like such a long time ago. <clears throat> so I will say this. What is the number one thing you were most excited about going into the 2023 season? If you can dive into that. We'll start off with Todd and then go to Courtney then go to James and then go to Rob. Uh, <clears throat> just game one for me was very frustrating because I thought with the lineup we put out, the runs that they were scoring in spring training, and we lose a spectacularly pitched game by Shohei Otani right off the start. And we, the number one thing we didn't want was an, as a network was to hear, hey, Shohei Otani pitches good, and they lose. And that was opening freaking day, you know. And, and they only scored one run, and they lost that one two to one. And you were thinking, here we go again. We suffered through this all last season. I wanted to see an ex offensive explosion. So that was my thing out the gate. Um, there was a couple of uh, – what other series did you mention right now? Just refresh my memory right there. You said Oakland and – Oh, it was Oakland-Seattle to start the year. Yeah, I thought they but, played better in Seattle. But, uh, but yeah, that Shohei one really stuck out for me. But the question was, what was the number one thing you were the most excited about going oh, into the sorry, season? Sorry. Like, no, no, you're fine. If you had to you – Long know. day. Um, yeah, you're good. <laughs> I, I was I was mostly excited for the offense. I felt you know the bullpen you know obviously looks way different now, but at the time again spring training they looked good. Last end of last season they looked good. I was excited because I thought Phil Nevin deserved another chance at the time because it's he seemed to coach a lot more differently than Madden at least down the stretch the last two months. He he kept some things that Madden did, but for the most part, you know he seemed to be on on par with what we wanted and it was all fool's gold at that time but i was very much excited for the offense and i, I thought we were going to be scoring a lot more runs Courtney, i was excited for our starting rotation um i was really excited for our pitching rotation um i actually had the pleasure of seeing sandoval uh pitch in the world baseball classic uh while they were in phoenix that so that was fun um, I like the passion. I like the fire that he brought. Um, obviously now he hasn't been the greatest and I feel like I have a bad curse with that. Cause if we remember first year I was on the network, I was excited for Lord Bundy and he shit the bed and he threw up in New York. So there was that, um, yeah, literally, <laughs> yeah, literally blue chunks. Um, but that was my most exciting um, and hopeful thing for the 2023 season, um, our starting rotation, um, as well as the lineup. Again, on paper, I feel like we had a really good uh, like offensive lineup, uh, one with run support, um, you know, that way we wouldn't be losing close games like in two to one, like opening day. Um so I think those are the two things that I was most, most excited about. I wanted to see some dingers and I was excited about our starting rotation. I do have a question. You said, cause I mean, most of the ladies like Patrick Sandwalker, he's a handsome man, Yeah. but it, did you have, did you think that Dylan Bundy was a handsome man or did you just like him as a pitcher? <laughs> I liked him as a pitcher, but okay, Sandwall, on the other hand, Nick better watch out. Just saying. Hey, I mean, Sandwall's a handsome man. I took care enough about myself to say that. All right, James. Uh, what about you? What were you most excited about going into opening day this year? Well, yeah, Todd and Courtney took both of my answers, but um, because look, because you're not original, James. Absolutely <laughs> not. Um, yeah, I was looking forward to the offense and just better hitting, especially with runners in scoring position, and then with the rotation coming off, you know, the WBC with Otani and Sandoval being dynamite, and then Reed Detmers finishing, finishing the year well last year. You throw in Tyler Anderson, and he was kind of a mixed bag in the spring. So I was looking forward to see all of them and then how this bullpen would come together. Um, of course, all that has fallen off. But I can say one thing. I was kind of looking forward to Phil Nevin and how he would be – with the controls in his first full season. Uh, that has gone awry too. But I was looking forward to him because it seemed like the Angels finished last year off well with him. 
after a while at the end, I should say. So I thought, hey, maybe he'll have control of the locker room, the players. He'll have that philosophy, so to speak, and um, keep players accountable, and players will respect him and will play for him. So I was kind of looking forward to Phil Nevin and how he would uh, have things going, and then Marcus Thames, if Matt Wise would be any wiser. Uh, so those were a couple of things. And then how this team would come out of the gate with two divisional series. Uh, you know, right away, hey, take care of business. Like I mentioned with the schedule, the new schedule this year, uh, there's less divisional games. So take care of those right away. And they sort of did, you know, only losing, you know, two out of the first uh, series right there, or two games out of the two series. Rob? Um, yeah, I was pretty much excited about Phil Nevin, right, coming in. Um, he's the elephant in the room now, no pun intended with the Cal State Fullerton. But looking at him is going back to Seattle from last year when he hit Winker and everything. It's That was something that we were missing, right? The little edge, the old school baseball mentality. I thought he was going to bring back here and going to push us up over the top because we were just we were missing something, that it factor on the coaching staff, right? And I thought it was going to be him and Thames coming in. Um, I wasn't so much excited player-wise. Renfro probably the only one. I was, I'm was. i I'm pretty much against World Baseball Classic. Uh, I don't know if you guys knew that, or I kind of made a voice I don't like guys missing spring training, missing getting their work in to go to World Baseball Classic like a David Fletcher. Were you really going to win the World Baseball Classic with Team Italy? No. Get out of here, dude. You needed a lot of work. You had a bad year last year. You needed to get some reps at spring training. You weren't getting the reps at the World Baseball Classic. And obviously, we saw in the first half, first couple games of the season, right? It reflected that. That guy struggled right away, right out the gate. And he needed that work in spring training, I thought. And then even uh, Patrick Sandoval, very handsome guy, Courtney. He is a very handsome guy. But I was really <laughs> worried about him the most because I look at him like a Kershaw, right? He had lower back issues. And Kershaw has always dealt with that injury ever since he's had it. And I was worried about, God, not Patty. I think he's going to be our ace. I think that guy's legit. He's going to be the next guy when if Shohei were to leave or something were to happen like that, he could be our guy. And I was hoping spring training he'd be able to refine a lot of stuff because we look back at it. It was exciting because we were top 10 team in uh, pitching last year. We were the only team in the top 10 that was of pitching that wasn't in the playoffs last year. So looking at that, I was like, God, we just need a new hitting coach. Everyone knew that, right? We got Thames. It was exciting. We needed a little help behind Otani and uh, Trout. We got Renfro and then Rendon was supposed to be healthy, but that's another thing. But we're looking forward through all that, right? Looking at it, I was pretty psyched for the season, and it's a shot, kick trade to the nuts, right? Lose two to one. Well, first thing you hear, Otani's getting traded. He's leaving last year. And then you hear that every single game for those first 45 games. Anytime we did something wrong, that's all you heard. Yeah, I know for me, the thing that I was the most looking forward to was the fact that on paper, this team finally had a lot of depth. And I'm surprised nobody really alluded to that. Um, because that was a thing for years. It was just like, oh, you know, Rendon gets hurt. Well, bring up Captain Jack Mayfield. You know, let's get uh, Jonathan VR. Let's, you know, it was just these stopgap guys who were just below, just not even like double A tier guys. So, you know, we had Gio Urshela, we had Brandon Drury, like we had pieces, you know, Luis Renjifo. We were talking about this giant log jam. Now, you know, and I don't want to get too far ahead because we're only talking about the first 45 games, but now we're talking about, well, where's all that depth now? You know, a lot of these guys are hurt for either substantial periods of time or could be out for substantial periods of time. But uh, for once, I was excited about the depth of this team, even with the bullpen. You know, there's a lot of these guys who we were having some long games there, right? Like, oh, we have Ryan Tapera. Maybe he's going to turn it around. You know, he's getting paid to be a guy who could turn it around. Aaron Loop, we were hoping he was going to somehow turn into that New York Mets Aaron Loop, even though he wasn't last year as an angel. But, um, yeah, that depth shrunk really quickly. But, uh, yeah, that's what I was most excited about. Um, so we started off with two straight series wins in Oakland and Seattle, we've already mentioned. We came home, uh, lost a series against uh, Toronto, Won the series against the Nationals. 
And then we hit the road to go to Boston and New York, where the Angels got swept by the Red Sox. Sorry, they won one game. They, they won the uh, the marathon game because uh, they played that Monday game, right? That was the one that was uh, Otani was supposed to pitch or whatever. He pitched like 20-something pitches, and he got removed because of the rain. And then we went to New York, where I got to watch the Angels' only series win uh, on that Monday, where we won 5-2. to two. And uh, Todd Boyd's Jose Suarez was on the bump, which, by the way, for anybody who forgot, Todd picked Jose Suarez to be his guy this year. Jose, he was as positive as Charlie Sheen that Jose Suarez was going to have a good year. Yeah, I thought he'd, he'd win here and there. I'm by winning. I win here and I win there. But not so much. Yeah, and now he's, uh, what, on the Phantom 60-day IL? Mm-hmm. He's not going to pitch again this year. Well, I mean, I I want to know, was there ever an injury? We were saying Phantom IL to start, but once you're starting to talk about, like, 60 days, it, are we still talking Phantom IL, do we think, or do you guys think he's actually hurt? Well, I mean, the last I heard, he's he had some pretty good inflammation, so maybe it was something close to a Tommy John, and they want to be careful. I mean, that's the only thing I could think of, unless he's that bad to where they're like, all right, hit the, uh, you know, you're going to be pitching some winter ball. We're going to work you out and change a few things. I don't know. His feelings got hurt after getting raked. <laughs> yeah, I don't, that's a tough situation. Yeah. Um, I remember me and Todd were at that Sunday game against Toronto, mm-hmm. and he gave up, uh, I don't know, seven or eight by the second or third in inning or something like that and all of a sudden he just left the game and they were saying oh it's a left elbow injury whatever it was but I don't think any of us were thinking oh that's going to be the last start of his uh, season but maybe that he would be moved uh, to the bullpen Uh, but there's obviously something wrong with his confidence I have a I have a picture of Nevin slapping him in the dugout after his start against the Yankees in New York. It was like to wake him up or something. I forgot what it was, but that image in my head was like, I don't know. It's in my head about him. And I, he's he's almost like what Sandoval has come to be foreshadowing, you know, uh, Patrick, but um, he just never had the confidence. And then when he didn't walk people, he gave up the home runs. And it's, he's always been a problem, it seems like. Yeah, that was a fun game to go to in uh, in New York. Oh, yeah, Definitely an interesting game. Yeah, I was there. He only pitched like three point two innings. Also, <laughs> <laughs> gave up three runs. Do we? Do you guys think Jose Suarez uh, has potential to break out of this? You know, come next year out of this funk. No, I'm All definitely right. not going to pick him again. <laughs> No. Well, that's how we know he's going to have a good no. year. Okay, so you guys think that, as the kids say, Jose Suarez is cooked? Yes. Okay. Deep fried. I really hope the kid can turn it around. I mean, you know, the thing is, and we've talked about this ad nauseum really since his network started three years ago, is the fact that most of these teams who are continuously good build from within. So you need the guys like Jose Suarez to come up and do well. You need your Reed Detmers. You need your Patrick Sandoval. And really all three of those lefties that are just mentioned, and you can throw in Tyler Anderson, even though he's not a homegrown guy, these guys are all struggling mightily. So, you know, before we get to, uh, before we continue to go in here, let me ask you guys about the starting pitching. Because you guys, most of you guys, Mentioned that's one of the strengths you guys were looking forward to going into opening day. So where are you guys currently on the starting pitching? Do you guys think this starting rotation has potential to, I mean, I don't want to get, I don't want to start talking playoffs because, you know, right now the angels are a game under 500, but is this a starting rotation that can at least get the angels in a competitive push to maybe flirt with some games that matter in September, Todd? <clears throat> I, I've been saying it all year. I think they can. 
you know, it all depended on if, you know, Anderson was going to get his stuff together, and he did. He started pitching a lot better. He's actually been pitching a lot better than a couple of these guys, and I really don't blame what they did recently in Detmers and, uh, you know, Sandoval starts because I just feel that there's something there that we'll talk about in part two. But um, for the most part, I think this rotation's been there, and they've had the opportunity to win a lot of games and have left either down a run, uh, only given up a couple runs, but we've seen the same flashes of brilliance of, from that offense. Injuries are not. Um, there's no excuse for them not fundamentally scratching across the run, scoring some runs, and they've left a lot of guys on base. And um, I do think it is a team, if you compare it to the other teams that are in the postseason right now, especially with Otani still here, there's no reason why they shouldn't be trying to buy for a playoff spot, but – it's got it to me. It comes down to the hitting, dude. I don't blame this pitching staff at all. Mm, hell no. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I will say that I'm still concerned about our starting rotation, uh, just because we. I feel like we have an odd mix. We have an odd mix of young kids, um, Detmers, Sandoval, even included, um, and I even though Otani is still great. And I want to reiterate that Otani does not suck, nor have I ever said he sucks. But I do notice one thing that is different this year than last year. I feel like he is giving up a lot more home runs, not just hits, but home runs. Are they detrimental? No. And most of the time we still end up with a win. But I do think it is that it should be noted that Otani is giving up more home runs than he did last year. Um, and he's actually thrown a lot more wild pitches this year. Thankfully, there hasn't been people on base. Normally, most of the time, he gets that out within the first two innings. So it's definitely not costly. Um, I don't know if he's kind of still working on stuff. I don't know if he's trying to still create new pitches for himself, you know, um, trying to deepen his arsenal, I guess, um, which is completely fine. I'm not against it. Um but I, I think I am just weary of our starting rotation. Um, and But I do agree with Todd. Um, our offense does not help support them whatsoever. Um, so if we do get into closer games, um, I think our offense kind of has a lot more to do with some of our starting rotation wins and losses record. Like there's no reason why we should be losing to someone like, you know, two to one, like a one run game. Like, I don't think, or at the time with our lineup, I, that was unacceptable to me personally. Um, but for the future, if we keep the starting rotation as it is, um, I'm, I'm just a bit weary. I will say that. To piggyback on Courtney's point about Otani and his stats, uh, he has 43 walks right now. And um, we've never really seen him walk too many uh, this is the first year that we've seen that. Uh, he's struck out with 132, but he has given up 43 walks and 14 home runs. That's like Nolan Ryan's stats right there when you think about it. He leads the league in strikeouts. So just to mention that with uh, Courtney's point about Otani, uh, he definitely doesn't suck. He is the only one you can really trust in the rotation right now, and I don't think that's a, uh odd thing to say or a hot take. Sandoval, we got screwed, basically, what we thought he was going to be from the WBC. Detmers is shaky. He does get his strikeouts. He has 107. But he's also walked the 32. Sandoval, 36. Tyler Anderson, 37. Man, if there was a deal the Angels shouldn't have done, it was it was with him. Uh, he's been awful. Griffin Canning's been maybe the only pleasant surprise uh, up until his last start, uh, uh, last series we had. But, um, and then looking at Suarez, again, he gave up too many home runs and uh, too many walks, just six between balls and strike ratio. Um, so obviously about the the rotation, um, I wouldn't bring many back. If there was a way, I'd get rid of almost all of them other from Otani, honestly. Maybe keep Canning on, but if there's a way to get better, maybe keep Detmers too. But if there's a way to, 
I don't know. And I mentioned to these guys, I think at the tailgate, I mentioned to the guys on the podcast there, if Sandoval can go down like Suarez did, you know, with the injury, um, and just well, Sandoval still has options. That's good. Okay, so if he can swallow his pride and you know realize he's not anything special, maybe it's maybe it's an ego thing. I don't know what, but we see this frustration on the mound, especially in that White Sox series in the Thursday afternoon game, where he struggled with the walks and it was really bad. Um, he didn't really have good communication with Matt Dice either. So uh, if he maybe gets sent down or fakes an injury, gets some simulated games in, goes to Inland Empire and throws some innings there, maybe he'll get his groove back. Um, but, man, just I, I'm, not, I'm not comfortable with this rotation. If there was a negative about it, I, I would, you know, if there was a number to rank him 1 to 10 – it's almost negative for me, but Otani's keeping it positive in that way. So there's there's a lot of things I would change about this rotation. And it starts with Sandoval and Anderson and Suarez, of course, you're not bringing back. Maybe in a long relief role, but Canning, Detmers, again, Canning's been the one surprise, and Otani's just been everything. His back has been hurting from carrying the rotation other from Canning all season long so far. All right, Rob? I think the rotation can get us there, but um, I also believe a rotation is backed by the bullpen. So it depends who's helping that bullpen too, because you don't have to stretch guys out a little bit longer and force them to go out in that sixth, seventh inning and out and uh, get shelled or walk a couple guys, put your team in a bad spot. I think you get Matt Moore back, um, you utilize Sam Bachman, get Joyce back there with the Seves where the pitching. I think this staff that we have now is what we need so far. And um, my gripe with the staff, and two pitchers in particular, and I'll probably take heat from this, is Otani and Anderson. How many pitchers called their own perfect game? How many pitchers called their own no-hitter? The history of baseball is going to say zero. There's 320 no-hitters in baseball. Why are you calling your own game in every single pitch? There's things that catcher sees. There's things that a coach can see. There's things with analytics so out there that, like it is today that these guys can make adjustments, but you're calling your own pitch instead? How many times have you seen a guy shake their own catcher off and then give up a home run? happens all the time right mm-hmm. i don't like that fact that you call your own game you need to be separate from that in itself too that's my biggest gripe i was a pitcher there's plenty of times because i could blow this fastball by this guy and all of a sudden it's going 400 feet over my head the guy's yeah. jogging around the bases right there's certain things you gotta swallow the ego and swallow the pride um otani's not a bad not a bad player at all i kind of almost question him as a teammate at this point in time because every time he's been asked a question what do you what do you think you can trade again this i'm just trying to get good stats and help my team do, uh, do better. No, no, no. Your answer should be, I'm trying to win the World Series with this team that I'm on. Period. That's what I would think, right? That's what I would hope for out of a superstar such as him. I'm tired of hearing about his staff and all this stuff. He never puts it all down. And then you have a guy like Tyler Anderson, who, man, you're a veteran at this point in time, right? Take these guys under your wing. You see Patrick Sandoval struggling. You see Jose Suarez struggling and all that stuff. Jose Suarez tipping his pitches, right? Otani saw it. Trout saw it. Awesome saw it year before. Where's that veteran leadership there? Say, hey, dude, let me pull you aside. Come work with me. I hate to say it. Quentin Kershaw did it with Urias. Hey, kid, yeah. come work out with me. He grabbed these guys. We don't have that here in this pitching staff, right? No one. There's no leadership in this pitcher sta- pitching staff. Just like there's no leadership in the clubhouse. No leadership among the coaches. It's just it's a shit show. Part of my language. I'm sorry, but it is at this point in time. But this this staff here has what it takes. You don't have to go out and pitch six, seven innings each game. Just get us through five. Mike Sosha did it to Aaron Seeley. I don't know if you guys remember that in 03, 04, where Aaron Seeley was really struggling. Even five innings. Prove to me you can pitch five innings, and then we may talk about getting you more innings down the line. And he pitched great in those five innings, but he had the bullpen to back it up. So the, the staff's there. I, I think it's there. You just got to manage your ego a little bit. For Sandoval, he's trying to do way too much. The Angels have burned him years in, year out, right? Guy goes and pitches a 2-1 game, loses. 1-0 game, loses. And now I think you can, that's a guy trying to do too much at this point in time. You can tell. He's overthrowing his pitches, overthrowing that curveball, trying to hump up that foul. Overcompensate, I think, is... Yeah, he's trying to do too much as a pitcher on the mound. You should be able to put the ball in play, let contact happen. But then again, you have 
guys out of position, not your regular guys in there all the time, right? Fletcher was struggling at first. Everyone's head was somewhere else in this first half of the season. This is all going on. So I, I think we're there. I honestly do. We just need a little bit of refinement, fine-tuning in. And like you see in playoffs, is it always the ace that brings these guys in? No, it's that four and five guy who come out of nowhere. Hey, guy has a hot hand. That's all you need. You just need a hot hand to get you there. Yeah, I think um, one of the things that I we've mentioned multiple times is the whole Tyler Anderson calling pitches thing. The only reason why I think Otani can get away with calling his own pitches is because he has so many pitches that, you know, you have such a short time now that for someone like him, I get it. You know, you can't sit there and shake off five or six pitches like you used to do because of the pitch clock. Tyler Anderson, I mean, you're throwing like three or four pitches most of the time. But, um, you know, it's frustrating, too, when Otani's throwing his sweeper, what is it, like 55% of the time, and he's getting hit hard when he throws that sweeper. Man, they're hitting it up and down. That's why he's giving up so many home runs. You look up the pitch that he's giving up the most home runs on, it's that sweeper. So, uh, but, you know, I definitely understand where Rob's coming from, and I agree. Um, now, one of the things I did want to say, the month of April, we won 15 games, Okay. Um, and the thing that stands out to me is, is the losses. So some of these losses was uh, like the first one that comes to that I see here is the 11 or 12 loss, which was that Sunday uh, against the Toronto Blue Jays at home. I think Detmers started that game. And then right. we lost. Are you sure? Yeah, because we were, me and Todd were there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's That's one where he left his. It says Demers, five innings pitch, gave up four runs that day. Oh, okay. Was that a Saturday or Sunday game? That was a Sunday game. We lost 11 to 12 uh, in uh, extra. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I was thinking about the Texas series. Never mind. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, James, that's fine. So, yeah, yeah, you're good, James. Yeah, yeah. so uh, that game stands out. The following day, we lost four to six against the Nationals. And then fast forward to that Saturday in Boston, we lost seven to nine. There are so many of these games that were close. The 19th of April, we lost two to three. You know, uh, the 22nd, we lost eight to 11 against the Kansas City Royals. All of these losses, Oakland, the 24th, 10 to 11. None of these losses, we were getting our cheeks clapped. It was the fact that it was the slow bleed, right? You know, we'd get shot 10 times in the chest and bleed out. It was that. It was the bullpen. It was the offense not stepping up. It was the starting pitching struggling. And that was really what defined the first month of the season. It was inconsistent play because we had some games where we played really well. We had some games where the starting pitching stepped up. But a lot of the time we had these games where those were winnable games. We could have had a, a month of April where we only lost like three games. The only game we got blown out was 2-11, to 11, which was that game in Seattle, the second game that uh, of uh, that series. Besides that, they were all close games. Even the wins. Yeah, they played toe-to-toe with their opponents. Uh, I just felt in a lot of those games, the bullpen was getting um, was was getting their butts kicked a lot because, you know, obviously we had a way different bullpen back then. We were, we were uh, mixing and matching Cajeta and Estevez in the bullpen or, or for saves or at least back and forth. Uh, we were starting to see that whole I can't pitch more than a day kind of bullshit. Um, then – then you saw the other teams that it was, it was frustrating to me because at the time we were hitting home runs, you know, three run homers and stuff like that. And we were getting guys on and actually scoring them. Whereas the other teams like the nationals game, I remember how we lost that one. They just beat the crap out of us with singles. Uh, the Royals did the same thing. Uh, the blue Jays did the same thing. We thought they were going to mash us, but they were just hitting doubles singles and, and just doing the right, you know, using the gaps uh, playing, you know, hitting the other way. Uh, other teams were still in bases and that was the first indication i'm like wait a minute we're not using the fundamentals that i thought we were and we're not taking advantage of the rule changes you know i started to see that early on i'm like yeah we're scoring runs but we're giving up a lot of runs we should be winning most of these games and we're not this may bite us in the ass later and uh that's that's when i started to smell uh, a polished turd right there yeah, the Angels have always been notoriously bad during these extra inning rules. Oh, you know, yeah. you say it all the time. There's no bunting. Bunt the guy over. Give yourself at least an opportunity to score one run. Because if you got to run on run on third base with one out, I mean, almost anything's going to score him. 
a ground ball even is going to score if the guy's fast enough. A pop-up. Give me something. But the Angels have had a real lack of productive hitting and clutch hitting. Because in that situation, a pop-out to the outfield to score the run, that's that's clutch in that situation, right? You gave yourself the best opportunity. Yeah, do you want to put the ball over the fence? Yeah, great. Yeah, chicks dig the long ball. We love the machismo. Cool. But at the end of the day, your only job is to score that running. Your only job is to get on base. That's productive. And the Angels have really, really struggled with that all year. And April was a giant red flag in that department. And it's continued to have been one this far into the season. Well, I don't have no idea what's happening to Courtney right now. I know. It's that ghetto Wi-Fi I got. Hold on. Uh, I think May Nick I mention on one? I'm sorry. <laughs> may I mention one thing about uh, the pitching and then how it relates to the offense or vice versa real quick? Sure. Um, Todd always mentioned this in his post-game show, which everybody watches, no doubt. But he, he seems always – it always happens, it seems like, almost every game. When the Angels score runs, whomever is pitching, unless it's Estevez, they give it right back. Mm-hmm. Like they, the Angels can score three and then give up two or three or four the next half inning. And that's the thing. That's the thing that just kept going on and on through the months here, and for years it seems like it, it's just when you guys were talking about that right now, I couldn't get that out of my head. And how many times Todd has mentioned? or yelled that in his rants in the post-game shows. Yeah, the bullpen hasn't been able to, you know, lock it down after. Especially Anderson, though. Whenever he would get some run support, he'd get right back. Absolutely. What are we saying, Courtney? First of all, you guys took my turn. Uh, Secondly, I'm just kidding. Um, I think those games, the few that we mentioned, um, you know, the loss to the Nationals, the loss to uh, Casey. um, I think one of the biggest things, and I know we've talked about it multiple times, we always play down to weaker opponents. And I think that was one thing that's always been my biggest gripe, as well as not playing small ball. Um, I'm a huge believer in small ball. Hell, I made half of my batting career off of small ball because I was a slapper. Um, there is nothing wrong with small ball. You're supposed to have productive outs and ultimately you're supposed to be helping your team. If you're sacrificing yourself to get the runner over from second to third, who cares? Because that means you're going to have two more opportunities. You're going to have two other batters to try to get that run in. Um, and that, and that's always big, been my biggest gripe about this organization, um, and I think the other thing really is just, and I think during that time, this was when we were having the argument within our own network, as well as other people and some of our listeners, um, who was more clutch trout being the goat trout being clutch or not clutch, um, you know, him hitting 105 mile per hour balls right at somebody for the third out. Um, and I guess maybe to circle back to that, um, you know, I think this is at a point in time where we didn't trust, or at least I personally did not trust Mike Trout if we were tied three to three in the ninth inning, you know, running, winning run is on third base and Mike Trout's up. I don't want Mike Trout up. I just don't, um, especially during that time. Um, yeah, like that game in Miami, remember at the suite? Mm. Oh, yeah, you know. Yeah. Bottom care. of the ninth inning, had a chance. I know. Whatever, old ass. Um, Jeez. Jesus, Courtney's I bitter. Do, <laughs> I'm very bitter. Um, <laughs> but I think it's just one of those things, just within our lineup, up and down, um, and maybe it comes from coaching staff, I'm not too sure. Uh, we just We weren't having productive outs, and that, again, my biggest gripe you know, don't just go out there swinging for the fences. Um, Cause what is that going to do? It's one thing to hit the ball hard. And I guess maybe that's what some of our listeners are trying to argue. Well, he's hitting the ball hard. They could possibly make a mistake or they could possibly make an error. And it's just like, okay. I, I mean, I guess I get that point, but if it's again, if it's right at somebody in the air, I'd rather have you hit something hard on the ground, not in the air. And that's just me personally. 
Um, but really, uh, again, it was just, I think, playing down to our opponents because like there's no reason why we can't sweep the A's. There's no reason why we can't sweep the Nationals. Um, you know, and even KC, no reason why we can't sweep KC. So, um, and I know later on in the season, we'll probably touch on it, when it does come to playoff time, those are going to be the few games that we wish we could have won because we're trying to scrape together half games or whole games. And those are going to be the ones that we wish we had. Absolutely. Those are the ones you wish you could redo. So... Hey, on that too, uh, the small ball, like how Courtney was saying, I was a pitcher years ago. I fucking hated bunting and all that stuff. It's mental as a pitcher in your head, right? You're like, frick, where's that, where's that guy at now? I got to hurry to the plate. Got to make sure they don't advance the runner again. You make, you force the other team to make plays. You force them to play baseball at the end of the day, right? It's out of your hands. And the coach has to make decisions. Do I have corners in? Do I do infield in? Do I give that out up for this run here and all this stuff? And Nevin doesn't do that. He kind of just swing away. Something good will happen one time and everything and it just doesn't happen for us and like you guys have said these i've said the whole time everyone goes oh it's early in the season i hated that because when 162 rolls around and you're three games back and you remember those eight games that you freaking blew earlier and i was at that kansas city game that they blew by the five rounds in the ninth inning i was dying in there for Quijada. and that game those are the games that stick with you like we wouldn't be in a situation here freaking out wondering if we did the right thing with the organization keeping Trout and Otani and all these guys and signing Rendon and all that stuff, there'd be no questioning if you control the bleed, right? You have a chance to control the bleeding here and there. We just let it go. And uh, the clutch situation now, Cordell, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I was, I was a big Trout guy, right? I'm, I'm for it. If you're going to hit 105 miles per hour straight at somebody, I can't hate it. I can't do that, period. I couldn't even hit a ball if I even tried, to be honest with you. I'm so impressed by that, let alone – the guy hits at 105 miles per hour. Sometimes balls fall in, right? Sometimes they don't. It's baseball, right, for us. Um, the first half of the season, he had that World Baseball Classic hangover, and it was a long, he had a long swing. And they used to say Gary Anderson's swing was long. Trout's swing was long, and he was never known for that, right? He's always known for quick hands to the bat, through the zone, all that stuff. And it just hurt to see. But that I think the World Baseball Classic had a huge effect on this season overall. Not only for the Angels, but for everybody. As you can see, certain guys doing certain things, people get hurt more easily. A lot of mechanics are just off for some guys. But uh, the Angels-wise, we just have nobody there helping us out during those series, like those games. I think we the Nationals, I don't mind losing one game because if they have some good young pitching, right? They have Josiah Gray, they have the other guy from uh, San Diego, I can't think of his name right now. Mackenzie Gore. Mackenzie Gore. They have legit pitching there, right? Some guys you can shut down. You have good pitching beats, good hitting any day. I don't mind losing those games. I mind losing the games where your bullpen gives up five, six runs, and you blow this lead that you had, even though you have like a Matt Moore in that bullpen too, if you want to play a matchup, who has a one ERA at the time, in the Kansas City series and all that stuff. Just managing this team has been a clusterfuck, right, for us here. And you have an owner who doesn't care. And then you have a GM who sounds like his hands are tied right away and beginning of the season when he starts out. It just that's the angel way so far. So let's uh, let me go over these couple series in May. Um, I'll ask, I guess, like I guess, two questions I have for you guys, and then uh, we'll 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 try to wrap it up here for for part one because I know we want to start condensing some of these episodes. So um, in May we swept the St. Louis Cardinals in St. Louis, came back home. Lost a series to the Rangers, lost a series to Houston. And those are another group of six games that you might look at. And, you know, we played the Astros hard. We, you know, we played good baseball against them. They just happened to be the better, um, the better team for two out of those three games. Uh, and then we went to Ohio, as uh, Todd likes to say, lost to Cleveland, uh, two games to three. And then we split with Baltimore in Baltimore. And uh, then we won the series against the Twins, and we swept the Red Sox at home. And that's the farthest that we're going to cover here. But I guess the first big question I have for you guys. So when you think back to the first half of the season, and, and I'll let you guys go to the All-Star break, because uh, I, I know some of, we're probably not going to get everyone who's on right now for part two. So when you think back to the first half of this season, what is one positive you are going to take away? since we love to be so negative here. Todd, what's one of the positives you're going to take away? Well, definitely in those first 45 games, it was the fact that <clears throat> you had 
Um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll just make it a real quick one. Um, I really like the fact that the catching was saved. Uh, we all thought that the catching was going to be a disaster with Stasu Stassi being out. Uh, Ohapi appeared to, you know, he was leading the team with home runs and RBIs before he went out in the Yankee series. So the emergence of Thais and, and the emergence of Wallach at the time, uh, you know, these guys were carrying the offense when guys like Trout were just continually behind on fastballs. And Otani wasn't exactly hot himself. The, the offense was trying to find itself. But you had two guys that were hitting at 300 or close to it from the catching situation, no matter who was pitching and who they wanted as catcher. I, I thought that was a huge positive in those first 45. Cordy? Uh, my heart. Um, the kids. Uh, oh, wait, did we bring up Neto? I think we did. Within those yeah, we had Neto at the time. Yes. Yeah, he, he got there. Yeah, even before Ohapi went down, um, you know, I think our young guys stepped up and that was really nice. Um, it was nice seeing Neto out there. Um, you know, again, uh, before Ohapi went down, he I honestly think he was about to be the leader of, for this team, which mm -hmm. is, I don't want to say sad because it's obviously it's not sad for Ohapi. Like, it's good that he was going to step up into that role. It's sad that we have veterans like Captain America, Mike Trout, um, and to to fist Tony and everybody else, like all these veterans on this team that don't know how to lead this team. Um, but I think the kids did well. Um, they continue to do well, um, foreshadowing. Um, so yeah, the kids stepped up. I like it. James. Yeah, Courtney took mine. Um, I really loved the emergence of Ohapi and Neto, um, especially Neto. Um showed the leadership right away got hit by what seven or 11 uh pitches right away and yeah it was a record right like uh i don't Maybe think was... yet for a rookie shortstop it's like 21 by Eckstein in 2001 okay. um so he's got some time to get when he comes back he'll, he'll have time uh to get hit by more pitches hopefully uh, not <laughs> It's just weird because it was somehow he has magnetic whatever. I don't I don't know, but he was just finding the ball or the ball was finding him. But yeah, the emergence of Ohapi and uh Neto's leadership. I think okay, one other positive, I don't know if maybe you all will think I'm crazy or not, but maybe Paramanazian, uh bring up players then players down. Can we kick James out? Leave. having I thought that was going to happen already um you know trading for Mustakis and Escobar saying hey we're not afraid to go out and boosting this roster boosting the offense um somehow bringing in Jacob Webb which was a spring training invitee and he's been one of the best bullpen pieces so I think Perry not being shy to improve the roster is one positive out of a handful, if if you count on one hand of positives. Uh, so I think Perry Manazian, um bringing in guys and sending guys down could have treated Adele better, but he's up with the team now. Rob? Um, I was going to say pretty much what Courtney said with the young guys coming up, and then um, I, I agree with James. I'm Perry, not freaking out. And then um, even going to now, right? I don't think I'll be here the second half of the show on this, but um, Mike Trout goes out hurt. How many other teams lost their star outfielder would go freak out and try to make a trade for it? And I think Perry did the right thing because you're not replacing Mike Trout from the past 10 years. You're replacing the 260 or 250 hitter right now, Mike Trout. And you have that in the guy, Mickey Moniak. Right now, he's actually probably even better, batting a lot better than Trout was, right? I like that factor there. And my biggest thing for those first 45 games is Estevez established himself as a closer. Darn it, to Moore Establishing himself as the uh, setup man there. That's a one-two punch we've been looking for for a long, long time. We were hoping to find that with Tapera and Loop. Didn't find it there. We are hoping that Quijada would be there. Wasn't happening for us. And then we found that bridge there. And then even to go a step further with uh, Jaime Berea coming out as a long reliever. I don't know if necessarily if I like him as a starter. He does help fill spot starts here and there. But that's a guy who can eat three, four innings out of the pen 
almost every other day or if not every day for a couple of days in a row before he needs days off. And sometimes, like we said, we we're going to need that with this pitching staff, right? Get us through uh, four innings, get us to five innings. We have high Bria, we have guys to go to. That was impressive there. But uh, yeah, it's the emergence of the young guys and everyone else just establishing themselves in this organization that they're not really leaders, right? I wouldn't call at the time the season started, would you call Neto a leader? Would you say Wallach would be up here as a leader and Vice be up here as a leader as well too? I wouldn't have said that at all. And I didn't think of Steves. I was a big, big guy against the Steves, right? After spring training, I thought he got walked too many people, but proved me wrong. And Eating Crow, along with Eating Crow on Drury still, even though he got hurt, we won't talk about that. But uh, that guy, so far, man, so good. But I just like the, the fact that we haven't freaked out completely yet the whole first half of the season. And looking at it, it's I don't think we're bad. We still have it. Yeah, we lost Mike Trout, but big whoop. You lost a 250 hitter, dime a dozen right now in the MLB. Well, I won't. I won't give. A, I won't give mine because I mean, at this point, just a broken record. You know, I was going to say the young kids, but I mean, I knew someone was going to say that, and then nobody mentioned Estevez until Rob, and I was like, "Hey, everyone's going to miss that one, sick!" And then Rob hit it, so I'm like, "All right, whatever. I won't give mine." I mean, it's same thing. Okay, so the last question I have for you guys. Keep it short because I'm sure this is going to be a long one. So try to keep keep it to a letter grade and then try to give me less than like 50 words because it's a slippery slope answer. Give Phil Nevin a letter grade for the entire first half of the Angels season going to the All-Star break. I'll ask Dominic this too, but I want everyone's opinion here. And I'm sure if Todd's on Sunday, I'll ask this again. But, Todd, give Phil Nevin a letter grade right now going into the second half of the season. Real quick, Alex Cobb was the last leader on this Halo Club. He should still be here, but he's in San Francisco doing good. Fair enough. Uh, with that being said, uh, I give him an F. Um, he's failed on so many things with me. Um, when I first thought, real quick, I thought it was Perry doing all that, but it was it's Phil's philosophy. You know, he he's, he's loving the – not everyday pitcher, uh, you know, bullpen guy, resting guys, load management. I think he shit the bed. I, I'm so wanting him fired. Courtney. Well, then, D minus, and the only reason why he gets a D is because he will actually get an umpire's face. Like, because we let's face it, we have had a couple bad calls. Um, sometimes it's just nice as a pitcher, as I'm sure Rob could probably say. It's just nice knowing that your coach has your back. I do feel like, you know, Nevin has done that a few times. Has it been the most timely? Probably not. Like he'll do it like two batters later for some odd reason um, after the pitch was called. But um, but he will get an umpire's face. Um, but other than that, I mean, he's completely shit the bed. Um, so, I mean, I really I really don't have anything positive positive to say other than that. So that's I agree with uh, Courtney here, a D, um, but both Todd and Courtney made the same points I would have, just on philosophy. And then uh, what saved him was those ejections, especially the one in San Diego, uh, going all in. Oh, man, it was a one-year trial, of course, we all know. And right now he's he's pretty much failing, you know, he's not above grade, of course, to pass. Um, I, I question his decisions a lot. I know Todd does it all the time. I think we all do. The thing that I lost my train of thought, but, um, I, I can't see him coming back. You know, even if they were going to make the playoffs, I didn't want him back. You know, I'm a big Ron Washington person and I, and I'd rather have him, uh, managing and hopefully that happens. But with Nevin, I feel like he doesn't he doesn't make all the decisions. I think he's almost uh, a puppet in a way for Perry and all the uh, stats people, you know, analytic people. So that's why I give him a D, but I thought he was going to be tougher. You know, I thought he was going to show more fight and heart and, you know, get on the players, but I haven't really seen that other from the slap on Suarez. I I haven't seen (laughs) it this year. So a D. All right, Rob. I dropped him from the class a while ago, man. He's gonna get a letter grade. Guy's been freaking awful, right? Guy gets go- yeah, you can go ahead and bark. I do appreciate that it stands up for his players and all that stuff. 
that's about it. But if you want to do that, go get a barking dog from the freaking dugout. That's all you really need a trash talker there. The guy just doesn't have it. Doesn't hold himself accountable before he loses. Doesn't accept responsibility. Doesn't blame anybody else or blames everyone else. Excuse me. Doesn't blame ever blame himself for poor decision making for letting things get out of hand necessarily. And all these things are stuff that managers do. Managers manage players like this. Yeah, you have two superstars in your team, but there's always been a manager. Hell, Hank Aaron had a manager. Nolan Ryan had a manager. Why? Because they weren't perfect. They had to be told to do at times and be real. Then this guy doesn't reel anybody in. He holds umpires accountable but he's gonna be called the karen jr like aaron boone is by these umpires because they're tired of hearing the barking on this you're barking at me and you're down by five runs get the fuck out of here that's what they're gonna start sorry guys i apologize sorry family show but anyways <laughs> if i was the umpire but you're down by five shut up you're, if i gotta yeah. be here so do you i'm not throwing you out of this game that's what i would say right if i was this umpire you had a chance a couple innings ago to bark at me but it's over now it's unsatisfactory you had benji gill i mean i'm a big benji gill fan yeah. guy did wonders with Team Mexico there, and tell me right now if you guys can name me five top players on Team Mexico that are all stars. Randy Rosarena. Randy Rosarena. Yeah. No, no, legit. No. Come on, that's that's BS. Why the Cuban? Give me a real one. Uh, Come uh, on, guys. It's embarrassing. Uh, that's okay. Alex Verdugo. <laughs> Rowdy Telez was not an all star. That was a ragtag team that he got going. So yeah, he gets fair. them the win because he rallies those guys, and that's what we need. You need a guy to, like you guys taught us said. When it has a closed door meeting, been held. Social had way too many closed door meetings at times. I thought, like to the point, like, hey, kind of got to let these guys play. We yeah. haven't had one, but yeah, hey, hey, they guy... did to celebrate Estevez. Okay, <laughs> yeah, great, yeah. freaking great. You know what? Real yeah. quick on, on him, real quick, I'll just say the only thing that has to sum up for me his tenure here and why, if I if we had a competent owner, they should have fired him when they heard him say it. I don't chase wins. That is the yeah, dumbest crap oh I've ever heard. Yeah. That's, that, that's a no. Like your, your whole job as a manager is to win. Or at least to build a winning culture at the least. If you're not going to be the one to, you know, to force winning, great. If you don't care about winning, that's fine. But at that point, at least put the building blocks to build a uh, winning culture. I give him a D. Wow, winning. Wow, winning. Yeah, I give him a D. A D for a dick, because that's what he is. <laughs> you know, he's not a winner. He just isn't. He, he, he isn't a guy who came from a long amount of winning as a player, right? He played in a lot of losing teams, played in a lot of subpar teams, and he wasn't a very above-average player. He was a good player, you know, high 200 hitter, would hit, you know, 25-plus home runs a year. He would drive in 80 runs easily you know, at least when I watched them as a Padre, but um, yeah, so he hasn't been able to translate it. Unfortunately for him, I, I don't think he's going to get it another season. And even if the angels do for some miracle, make the playoffs, I don't think he should get another tip of the cap. Uh, and the other thing that's unfortunate for him is the fact that he's not exactly proving to other teams that he has the ability to be a major league manager. Cause sometimes you see these guys and you're like, Oh, well, they just had an unfair shot right not him i think he's showing exactly who he is in the manager he overthinks he doesn't listen to his own gut his own gm doesn't seem to like him much his coaching staff doesn't seem to be happy to be there most of his players don't appear happy and because of that you know i give him a d um that's that's all i got on it todd you want to close this out yeah i'll close it out um with one thing though, I, I really okay. miss Sosha's crew because I remember with his staff, I mean, you knew all the coaches, you liked all the coaches and uh, it's not the same. I mean, uh, this one, it's like you could pick and choose. There's like one or two guys that you primarily know. And then the other guys, unless they screw up, you don't even know who Hasselman is over there at third base. I still don't know the first baseman's coach. I, you know, I don't care to, cause he didn't do nothing. You know, he wasn't, he was never, he's not, he's not been important all year. So there's just stuff like that. I just thought. Bring back Alfredo Griffin. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Missed that. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, thank you for choosing us as uh, your podcast about the Angels for part one. Uh, part two will be again on Sunday. You'll probably have a different panel here as uh, we're all making our way or making our time out for you to, to uh, take care of this and talk about the uh, first half of the first half <laughs> of the baseball season. So, uh, you know, hang in there. Uh, hopefully good things are to come. We're going to get into all the meat and potatoes about 
all the stuff that's uh, transpired towards the second half of the first half and how we currently are resting right now. And uh, we'll probably have a couple more games under our belt to talk about the start of the second half by the time uh, we record next time. So for Todd Fox and Fernando and Courtney and Rob and Rob. Catch you guys later. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.